Hi, this is Chris Brucher, and you're listening to That's What I Meant, the podcast. Enjoy. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. Uh, I'm joined by three wonderful uh, guests today. We've got Matt Hellier, who's back again. Uh, if you ever want to hear Matt talking on a podcast other than this one, you can check out reviewparty.com. Uh, he does reviews of internet reviews, and it's just kind of it's reviews all the way down. Um, <laughs> super funny. You can find it on reviewparty.com.com. Uh, Matt, what have, what have you been doing recently that people should be doing or watching or listening to? I bought some Asics running shoes. If you're really interested in looking at shoes that either look like poison toads or like frozen yogurt covered in all the flavors and toppings, go on Asics.com. Are those the same shoes? Yes, at the same time. Well, thank you for joining us, Matt. We have... As well, uh, Eric Hallberg returning. Um, Eric's joining us from the Improv Playhouse. You can check him out on Saturday nights. I've got shows at 7.30 and 9, especially when we're not mid-global pandemic. Um, if you're going to check those shows out, if you have kids, go to the 7.30. If you don't have kids, go to the 9, because it's way funnier. That's, that's not true. <laughs> um, Eric, anything you want to plug? Yeah, I'm going to plug, you know what, heirloom potatoes. That's uh, my plug today. I like yeah. it. Yeah. I'm a fan of all heirloom foods, heirloom potatoes. Heirloom yeah, it's, it's kind of just an expensive seed, but they do grow fruit foods. And yeah. So I had a bunch of potatoes this year. Well, a bunch, you know, like four French fries worth. But it was very, a very enjoyable process of harvesting your own potatoes. Nice. Really. <laughs> I feel thing- like you had like the inside scoop. Did you plant them in spring? post quarantine announcement or yeah you know i think i had an intuition that the whole world was going to shut down so i figured i better grow like eight potatoes you better get your potatoes and fortunately they were just more for fun one quarter of a fluid ounce of vodka i'll be all set for when times turn sour yeah i think i'll double i'll double my plantings for next year and then uh maybe i'll make a shot perfect <laughs> Uh, and then finally, we've got a new guest of the show, Matt Terry. Um, Matt is also a former improv playhouse performer, much like yours truly. Uh, Matt, what what are you uh, want people to know about? Well, I've been getting back into StarCraft Brood War from 1998. Uh, it's been pretty fun. <laughs> uh, yelling at Mike and clicking a little bit, so... I encourage everyone to play. It's free to play. I love the getting back into it after 22 <laughs> years to a game that is old enough to vote and drink. <laughs> Although I can't say a lot. I, I periodically will find myself playing like Pharaoh from the late 90s. So you can see like the Sierra Interactive logo brings me back. Brings me back to Half-Life. The Sierra <sighs> logo. I, was, I was literally playing Half-Life 2 like a week ago. Um, I've never played it before. It's a it's a new to me game, kind of fun. Wow, yeah, yeah. As for me, I am Chris. I am the host. You presumably already know who I am because I probably said it in the intro. Um, what do I want people to know about Avatars on uh, Netflix? Go check it out if you haven't watched it. It's an excellent cartoon, and I do love cartoons. So, yeah, go watch it. It's neat. Uh, it does not have anything to do with whales, though, so this is sort of an insert-your-own-transition. Today's episode is all about whales. I've got a couple of questions, a couple kind of interesting fun facts for you guys, but let's start out with a question. Do you guys know what animals are the closest shared, or have the closest shared ancestor with whales? What living animals today? Wolves. <laughs> You're... <laughs> I'm going to say you're not as far off as you probably think you are. Really? I, I remember watching something in some documentary about uh, animals and maybe a Discovery Channel, maybe in an auditorium at some museum. And they're like, little did you know that, you know, wolves ran into the sea and became whales or something like that. <laughs> uh, it's like a legitimate thing. Wow. I want to see that t-shirt. Wow. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm going <laughs> to... 
I mean, wouldn't it be like dolphins? I mean, like another. Yeah, it's like the gimme answer. Dolphins, animal. manatees. So, I mean, dolphins and whales are both cetaceans. So they. Right. But if I remember right, manatees are actually further away than this other group of animals. Wow. Manatees. Weird. Like gorillas? Manatees. Sea lions? No, it's. Um, coyotes? Bed bugs? Got it. <laughs> I'm going the other way. And like betting a dollar. It's um something called artiodactyls. And so these are a I'm gonna say they're a kind of ungulate, which might be terribly, terribly wrong, because I'm not a hundred percent sure I know what that word means. It's a kind of hoofed animal. So it includes cows, deer, sheep, pigs, giraffes, camels, and hippos. Maybe oxen? Those animals, like if you trace them back, the the first time we can find a shared ancestor between cetaceans and like anything else, it's deer and hippos, which is wild. Horses, really? Yeah. Weird. Wow. Hoofed, hoofed animals with two toes on their hoof. The cloven hoof. Yeah. Cloven That is fascinating. That is like a great betting question. Isn't that, isn't that wild? Yeah, they have, um, they said about 35 million years ago, whatever that animal was, it diverged. And one half of it went and became things that hang out in your neighborhood and you worry about hitting with your car. And the other turned into the biggest thing and literally the biggest animal in the world just cruising around eating shrimp. And that's a weird divergence. I gotta tell yeah. you. Yeah, I guess it, that's a bad breakup. <laughs> you see your ex becomes the biggest thing ever and you're getting hit by cars <laughs> yeah well, now i guess the flip side is you aren't being like aggressively hunted to extinction true speaking of which uh do you guys have any guess when the first evidence of whaling shows up in the human record probably for Oil fats, but then the Pacific uh, Pacific Islanders weren't they just masters of the sea? They could do whatever the heck they wanted. Just so everywhere. Uh, part of me thinks like maybe they could take down a whale because they could do anything, but would they? <laughs> I don't know too much about them. I'm thinking we're going BCE, B or just oh, BC. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I would assume it had to, people had to have boats to do that, most likely. <laughs> God didn't give us boats until, like. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, uh, evidence-wise, I'm going to go with, like, the year 100. So, we'll get back to the year 100 in just a moment. It is 3,000 BC, or not 3,000 BCE, 3,000 years ago. So, about 1,000 years wow. BCE. Um, that was my guess. There you go. <laughs> they. Um, I was about to say that. <laughs> that's why they're cutting you off. That's, they found evidence in um, like Alaska, Russia, that found that Inuit people had been hunting whales as much as a thousand years before the whatever. That. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. The Inuits up there, they probably just found yeah. some old whale bones with with carvings notched in them. And you're like, well, that's, somebody did this. That's exactly what it was. They found, I think they found, not only did they find some whale bones with the carvings in them, but they found like images of people hunting whales in them. Wow. So like, oh, okay. This wasn't, this isn't just like somebody found it on the ground. Yeah. What some people yeah. thought it was at first. Um, I find it strange that people assume that if somebody drew something out of a wall, that it was actually true. I mean, couldn't it have been like, like, you know, some kids, like, I'd love to hunt a whale. Right. <laughs> They're just trying, like, fan fiction. <laughs> little do they know, little do we it. know, that yeah. the whales just, like, they were trying to jump like dolphins, and they all ended up on right. shore. And the Inuits were just like, oh, I guess uh, I guess we should eat this. <laughs> yeah. I love taking that idea of kids drawing fan fiction on whale bones like 3,000 years into the future and somebody's unearths like a Superman comic and they're like, yeah, man, there was just one dude who could fly and punch planes and stuff. It was crazy. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I watched a TED talk that was about how, you know, we should value the arts or whatever. And so the guy was imagining a conversation between ancient human mothers and 
my mother says to the other mother, oh, so it looks like your son's doing really well. Yeah, you know, he's hunting. He's getting the boars for us to eat. And what's your son up to? Well, not much. He's just a loner. He paints on the walls of the cave. It doesn't really do anything useful for our society. Um, yeah, I'm really embarrassed about him. Uh, he's not a hunter like your son, so we'll have to deal with him somehow. Little do they know that that's the most important thing that came from the period. Right. Uh, so he was, they're making the point that, hey, you know, not everyone needs to become an engineer for society <laughs> to be successful or whatever it was. Right? Very reassuring. Matt, you were talking about Pacific Islanders. We did see that um, the Maori were hunting, who are like the native New Zealanders, were hunting um, whales as early as they said 1250 CE, which the kind of cool thing that was the article where I found that out was they were talking about there's a process that scientists use where they will grind up like a tiny bit of a sample of an old bone that they find. And they can take that, run it through this machine and basically get a genetic barcode so they can understand exactly what species of whale that bone came from. So they're able to look back at these things where they hunted in 1250 CE and say, this is a hundred percent a right whale or whatever. And now we know that the Maori kind of hunted those out of this region because they don't live here anymore. You know, it's funny. I, ha I was at Jewel the other day and I actually had that ring up on accident. That whale. 800 year old right whale. Yeah. It was, it was you wouldn't know. It was actually Skittles, but you know. <laughs> Did you still get it for a buck ninety nine? Because that's a good price yeah. for a whale. Yeah, it was it was slightly discounted. <laughs> well, where were we? Whales <laughs> had to happen at some point. Um, Matt, you said a hundred, right? Somebody said a hundred as a year. Yeah, I said a hundred. Eric, so turns out right whales and also gray whales used to have a pretty large population in the Mediterranean Sea. If you know anything about the Mediterranean Sea now, you'll know that there are not a lot of right whales and gray whales. I like that I said if you know anything about the Mediterranean Sea, as though it's like, if you've ever heard of it at all. I know its name. <laughs> no, I don't know about its whale population. <laughs> uh, well, so there are other whales there. Not a ton, but they said periodically you'll see like some smaller whales and like very rarely a uh, humpback whale might make its way in, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, but there used to be a pretty big population of gray and right whales. And the way that we found that out was by finding a bunch of evidence of gray and right whales in these big pits that Romans used to dry fish. Um, which feeds into the fact that apparently the Romans had a really robust whaling industry and hunted gray and white right whales to extinction in the Mediterranean Sea in the early part of the... I don't know, first millennium CE. Uh, what were they hunting them for? The, the oil or the meat? or They didn't say for sure. I'm guessing a little bit of everything. Oh. They're really bored. I thought they were just filling in holes. Like they found them in a pit. <laughs> they're just... <laughs> We've got this hole. These holes somebody could get hurt in. Let's fill them with whales. <laughs> oh. God, what... Uh, this is going to be a tangent, and I don't exactly remember. I want to say, like, there, I'm I'm struggling to remember exactly where I saw this. Whether it was like land use codes, or whether it was records of of certain industries, it may be like national American industry industry code breakdown, where like every type of business has its own specific industry code. And I remember seeing one for large mammal grave sites what like large mammal disposal like elephant graves i think it's just like this company builds elephant graves or, or whale graves i love that there's enough of those to have their own industry code yeah well i wonder if it's just large sites for normal sized animals could be yeah like you've got a hundred zebras and you just don't know or what to dog. do if you, yeah if you get out there you're like yeah it's two thousand square miles of nothing but dead cats Shoot. Far yeah i think those places see. exist 
We need yeah. a big hole. I thought those were called abandoned swimming pools. <laughs> if we're talking about the whaling industry, what do you guys think of as like the most famous whaling thing? Moby Dick. Moby Dick. There it is. That's oh, that's Moby. the one. Um, did you guys know Moby Dick is based on a true story? Yes. Yes. Does anybody know anything about that story? If not, I can tell it to you. It's horrifying. Uh, you know, I, it, Moby Dick came on the uh, the movie came on the television a few months ago, and I remember I Wikipedia it to kind of learn more about it because I'd never read the book, and so I learned this information, but I do not recall it. Chris, yeah, I saw the play at at the Looking Glass. And it was really cool, but I don't remember anything from the pamphlet if it, it had any actual facts in there. All I remember is that the author it was kind of, uh, you know, idealizing the society on the boat where people were judged more by the merit than their cultures or color of their skin a little bit. That was interesting. That's a piece of information that, was, uh, that got stuck in my brain. And also it kind of inspired Star Trek maybe a little bit. I don't know. That is a... I feel like, Matt, you perfectly summarized all of the content of this show. I remember I learned this and I managed to, it was of no value. So I expunged it from my memory. Uh, uh, so, the, so the Moby Dick, the, the ship, the Pequod in Moby Dick is based on a ship called the Essex, which was a real whaling ship out of Nantucket. Um, it was, it sailed out in 1819, uh, specifically August 14th, 1819, it set out, and, uh, in 1820, it got destroyed by a sperm whale that just rammed it for, I was gonna say no reason, but it was out specifically to kill its brethren, so I guess it wasn't really no reason. Um, <laughs> but basically, this ship had a terrible run of it, um, this guy, George Pollard Jr., was the captain. He sets out, storm, boom. Then they're like, all right, we survived that. Let's go to Cape Horn. So they go to Cape Horn. They expect to do all their whaling there. Uh, it's been five months, surely, at this point. They're like, we're all in the clear. No more big, bad storms. They get there, and they find out that there's just, like, not really any whales there. It had been overhunted. Mm. So they're like, okay, well, do we go home empty-handed? And that's not a good idea. This thing, whole thing has been financed. You need to get some whales. They go, all right. There's also a bunch of whales if we go to the South Pacific. So having left from Nantucket, they go to Cape Horn. And then they're like, all right, I guess we just keep going. So they go to the South Pacific, which at this time is pretty remote. I mean, it's remote today, but it's pretty like remote and it's not well-traveled. There's not a lot of peoples out there. So on their trip out there, you know, this is now a longer trip. So they stop at the Galapagos Islands. They stop at an island called Charles Island. And just for a lark, a couple of the guys, a couple of the sailors start a fire and they've managed to burn down like most of the island. And apparently there's at least two species of animal that we're pretty sure went extinct 100% based on these guys playing oh. a prank and starting a fire on this island, which sucks. Um, they said it, it was still like, burned like dozens of years later if you went by it was just like all the galapagos and this one island that was just a charred wreck for no apparent reason and it was just oh my gosh because of these guys <laughs> um so okay you know almost got sunk by a storm got to cape horn there was no whales go burn down one of the galapagos islands and people get like george pollard the scene uh captain was pissed about it and just like lit into his guy like what the hell are you doing starting this fire so it was kind of grumpy but okay finally this whaling trip we find a whale we find this sperm whale and it just rams the ship and everybody's like kind of confused but then it spins around and rams the ship a second time this time busts it up beyond repair so it's sinking taking on water they start trying to figure out what they're going to do they drop a couple of life rafts, uh, jump in those boats, and kind of just watch as the Essex sinks. And they're like, oh. all right, well, now we're in the South Pacific. We're far from any land. Where can we go? They 
there's like one group of people who says, let's go to the Marquesas, which is the closest bit of land as far as they can figure out as they're kind of looking at their charts. But a group of people say, we don't want to go to the Marquesas. There's cannibals there. If we land, it's not going to be safe. So instead we're going to go south because there's some other islands a little bit further that way. Uh, <laughs> and they start going. <laughs> they got attacked by a killer whale. I don't know if this is like a regular thing that whales just attack <laughs> boats, but it, this story, they get attacked by a whale at every turn. It's they just, they're spray painting on the side of their boat. will kill whales. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they have like, it's like uh world war two. They have little like whales painted on it for everyone. <laughs> they got, I don't know. Or just a big kick me sign in the back. <laughs> Or maybe this is proof that whales are very intelligent. You know, people always say like dolphins are super smart. Maybe whales are like, hey, screw that guy. They just come and shoot harpoons at us. Um, so they survive the killer whale attack. They keep going. They find an island. They're super happy, but it turns out the island is completely barren. There's not really anything there. Um, one ship of people decides they're going to stay on the island. The others are like, whatever, man, we don't want to die here. We're going to keep going. So they keep going. Um, they're starting to run out of food and water. And when you run out of food and water, eventually somebody dies. So some guy dies and they find themselves with a new problem, which is they're out of food, but now they have a dead body, which is ultimately food on their boat. So they cut this guy open. They take out all of his like organs and entrails, stitch him back up and give him, I guess, a proper burial at sea, just without his organs, which they cook and eat. Um, which I'd like to revisit. They decided not to go to the Marquesas because there was cannibals there. Yeah. And now it turns out they're on a small boat inhabited entirely by cannibals. So <laughs> that plan didn't really work. Uh, <laughs> So that guy dies. Three more guys. They have to eat all of them. Uh, they're still going. Uh, it's been... I don't know like the timing on all of this, but they were at sea for 89 days. And so three months in a small boat. At one point, after they'd eaten these other four guys, they were running out of food. And per the, I guess, unofficial rule of the sea, they drew lots to see which of the living crew member has, has to be killed and then eaten. They end up drawing the lot of Captain Pollard's first cousin, who oh. he had promised to his mother before they shipped, like, don't worry, no matter what happens, I'll make sure your son is safe. Then he ends up having to eat his cousin, which isn't ideal. Um, so that okay, so that was nine weeks after the Essex sink. So that's about sixty days. This is, this is the craziest yeah. like I don't even understand how you why you had to write a book on this. You could have just written what happened because it's already the craziest thing. <laughs> right? Yeah, the book wants to they declaim some more philosophy forward, yeah. Um so I don't know, this is maybe even wilder. 89 days, they end up one ship finds one boat with three guys in it. They tell him, like, hey, there's another boat not far from here. So they, some other ship that's passing by and kind of, like, knows to look for him, finds that ship. So five people actually survive this wreck. One of them is Captain Pollard. They kind of get back to sea. Four of the people, it's kind of fine, you know, like, they, they hear this story and everybody, like, some of the other ship captains write it down because they're just like, this is the craziest thing we've ever heard and word gets out. Um everybody who wasn't Captain Pollard are kind of like absolved. Everybody's like, yeah, you probably, we don't condone eating people, but like, whatever you do, what you got to do to survive. <laughs> um, Captain Pollard is kind of ruined a little bit because he ate his cousin and it's like, come on, man. Um, more on Captain Pollard in a second. Um, years later, they find a shipwrecked uh, Australian ship and with it they find a couple of skeletons which they're able to trace back to find out that it was three people who had survived on that barren island all that time before long enough to get picked up by an Australian ship that was passing so they're saved and then the Australian ship wrecks somewhere else and they <laughs> die there 
Um, and then finally, Captain Pollard eventually makes his way back to Nantucket. He's able to like clear his name enough and like he's a good enough captain that somebody's like, all right, we'll give you another chance. So he takes that ship out, wrecks it on a reef, and is forever un- like not trusted with another ship for the rest of his life. And this is like, all of this is like under the kind of thing of, this is a guy who Herman Melville talked to and kind of got his whole story for Moby wow. Dick based on that's nuts. what I can only assume having not read Moby Dick is a far more interesting and eventful story. <laughs> or is that the cousin? It was, it's a lot. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. What surprises me is how, how many, like even in the Odyssey, right? There's mention of cannibals. Cannibals comes yeah. up in these old stories, and it's like, was that actually a problem that people faced? We don't really read about it too much in history. Like, oh, these people they used to eat each other. That's part of their culture. I never learned yeah. that in high school, but it seems like it pops up in the fiction and these stories all the time. How sustainable yeah. is an island of cannibals? <laughs> I mean, unless people are just constantly right? going there in error, or like they aren't afraid to I mean, eat they... babies. Are they cannibal only, or do they sometimes eat carrots? You know what I mean? <laughs> I think uh, Papua yeah. New Guinea has part of their, like, burial rites. I don't think a lot of them eat brain tribe, though. You of a person who dies. You ate, so there's you cannibalism know. that's, like, worked into their society. The but only the, the survival like, cannibalism is, is very I mean, common. Like a Donner party. There's a lot of sea stories <laughs> of people having to eat the dead. Yeah. That's true. It's war against other people. It's That's... That's what they talked about. Those in this, they were like, nobody's really shocked because apparently it's like not common, but not uncommon at sea. Because like, if you're in the wrong spot, there's no food. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, wouldn't this like every boat? Like, if you were if you were in a ship and you that was your career, wouldn't you like have a fishing pole with you? Maybe they're not biting for eighty nine straight days. (laughs) Sorry, cuz. I don't like Red Snapper, cousin. I, I did find in one article that they did say that a lot of sailors specifically would cut up the body of a, like a fellow sailor who died and then use them as bait. As opposed to eating that body, they would use them to fish, which is like baby butter. Oh, that's... You don't, you don't keep the worms. Uh, I guess yeah, you do what you gotta do. kind of better, I'd say. But... Um, Oh, the only reason I know that Papua New Guinea eat the brains of people who die is because of the X-Files, where they talk about Jakob Kreutzfeld disease, which is this, it's a brain prion that, like, is really nasty, and there's insanely high rates of it amongst native Papuans, and it is almost certainly because of eating brains, so... PSA. Uh, it's it's lesions in your brain. And you can't donate blood. <laughs> that too. Because, <laughs> you, right. because your brain is disintegrating and you can't get to the clinic. What is the what are the symptoms of that illness? Yeah, it does, it does bizarre stuff like based on where the yeah. lesions are, I think. It's just... one, of the, one of the side effects I've read is you don't have a lot of knowledge about whales. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> On that point, how do you, maybe this is stupid, but how do you get that whale back once you've harpooned it enough where it's dead and or dying? You so, drag it or? You get small. That, is, small that is a really good question. The early whale hunters almost exclusively hunted small, like, near coastal whales because of that exact problem. Like you have to tow the whale back to shore. The quote unquote modern whaling industry only emerged once people develop techniques to process a whale at sea. Mm-hmm. So you kill the whale and then you're able to like harvest the baleen, harvest the oil. I guess if you're hunting for meat, harvest the meat and then like preserve it on the ship. And then you just leave the rest of the carcass there. And so it's kind of like how like modern fishing ships, if you buy like a frozen fish, it is 
about as fresh of a fish as you could possibly get because they basically catch the fish, dump it down a chute, and then somewhere in the bottom of the ship, it kicks out sealed frozen fish that just gets put in. And then like some of them, they'll literally drop it into the box, like the Gordon's fishing fish sticks box. Oh, really? They box it on a ship? It's wild. Like it's a whole factory on the ship because they're out at sea for like insane periods of time. So they wouldn't like it wouldn't make sense to refrigerate the fish. So they just process, cook, package all on the ship and you just like unload. I'm not 100% sure that they cooked it, but I think they do. I think they do 100% of things. So you're like you're buying something that was produced on the ship. Wow. Which is wild. Uh, yeah, boats are neat, right? <laughs> While we're talking about whale carcasses, do you guys know what a whale fall is? A what? A whale fall. Is that... Uh, it has to do with a whale's carcass. The, the detritus oh, is that when, they, when they turn over, when they're dying, they flip, maybe? Does it have to do with like maybe they're like decomposing and then they kind of blow up with bacteria or something like that? So... It's very much to do with that. It is, so when a whale dies, it sinks, because that's what it does. And depending on where they die, usually they're out somewhere where like the sea is pretty deep. And so they sink all the way to the seafloor and they, an entire ecosystem forms just around the body of the whale. And these things are wild. They they last so long that they have whole stages of what the ecosystem looks like. So they said for the first up to two years, it's this like scavenger phase. And so you get sharks and something that they call ratfish, which I thought was funny because poor rats can't buy a break. Even <laughs> the scavengers of the sea, they're like, oh yeah, they're just like the rats of the sea. <laughs> um, so these things come and they like pick it like the meat of the whale and eventually they pick it clean enough that the second stage kicks in which is all of these sort of smaller animals that come in and they break down the blubber and just kind of like the stuff that isn't appealing to the um to the scavengers and that happens for about another two years and then the last part which they said can last for decades is bacteria coming in to break down the lipids and all of the nutrients that are in the bones. And when they do that, they, it's called the sulfuric stage and they create sulfur, which attracts different kinds of bacteria, which attracts different kinds of like snails and small fish and all kinds like mollusks that eat those things. And they said a whale will die and there'll be a whole ecosystem on the seafloor that didn't exist there before for like 20 or 30 years until it's totally broken down. And then I, I guess just some of that stuff makes it over to a different whale carcass and the rest of it probably just dies because there's no food left. Wow. Crazy. Which is pretty wow. neat, right? For a big animal. Also drives home how cold the bottom of the ocean is. Because if you leave, if I leave ground turkey on the counter for like an hour, I'm afraid to eat it. And these things will eat whale that's been on the ground for 30 years. Well, do you brush the snails off your old food? I mean, or... <laughs> it's still good I mean? once you brush the snails off. <laughs> then it's fine. I mean, the snails are the problem. You were saying that the, it's bacteria that are eating it. So it's not like there's a lacking of bacteria on the whale. I think maybe they're just immune systems have worked up to handle it that's fair but yeah i don't i don't doubt it's extremely cold where the sun doesn't shine i guess even that even the sharks were eating for like two years i presume they aren't probably they probably can't eat literal garbage yeah well if it's really i don't think the sharks will go so deep you know there might be depending on the yeah i think it's it's those specific kinds of Right. Like, oh, I don't remember what that's called. They have all the different stages of the ocean. It's all the weird. It's where you get the, like, the nightmare fish, like right. the angler fish, and the goblin sharks. And yeah. Cool. Those terrible animals. Uh, yeah, no, I just, I, I, 
it's wild to me that one animal can sustain like a, a complex ecosystem for that's amazing like longer than a lot of animals live i mean geppetto was in that whale true. for who knows how long <laughs> think of how long he was making puppets at the bottom of the sea <laughs> during the geppetto stage which lasts for roughly six to eight months you just <laughs> pumping out puppets um okay so after death a whale lives on for 30 years but let's talk about before death how long do you guys think the longest living whales live for now i'm gonna say i don't know like a hundred part of me feels like 150 because the sea turtles live to 150 right right so, but they're, but they're reptiles and we're talking about mammals here. I have no idea what that means in terms of age range. <laughs> well, that, mean, uh, you live the analysis. same age as a horse. <laughs> I mean, I go that route. I'm going to say 150. Same years. age as a rat. Yeah, like, like 80 to 100. Is yeah, two for 150, range. 80 to 100. So you guys oh, are... I'm going to go for 100. 100. So... 80 to 100 is right on for like blue whales and I think uh, humpback whales. All of the big whales live about as long as like a human does. But there is one species of whale called the bowhead whale, which will live for upwards of 200 years. Many years. Which is to say, there could be a a (laughs) bowhead. Right? There is a bowhead whale out there. There could be a bowhead whale out there who knew the sperm whale that destroyed the Essex and he's still kicking. Like he was like, Oh yeah. Like remember that was was a bully. (laughs) Now that's great writing, Chris, bringing it all back. (laughs) I want to meet that whale and hang out with him and get that sperm whale's side of the story. And he's just like, yeah, man, fuck that boat. I still remember them. Um, Yeah. So this led down a weird rabbit hole of research. The first part of it made a lot of sense. Apparently scientists have done research and the latest article I could find was in 2015 where people had like sequenced the genome of bowhead whales to figure out what was going on. And they found two gene pairs, one of which had to do specifically with repairing DNA and then Uh... another one that had to do with like repairing DNA, but also specifically targeting like the effect that aging has on like your physio physiologically. Um, And I could not find out what they, what had been done with that information. Then I don't know the speed of science. Then Google takes it. Right. And hides it away in their laboratories. (laughs) So instead of finding that, what I did find is apparently whales in general have really low instances of cancer, which is bizarre because the two main markers for cancer across all mammalian life is uh, like lifespan and size of which we've determined whales live a long time and are really freaking big. (laughs) Um, And they said like there's other animals that are really resistant, birds are, insanely resistant and elephants are really resistant um see i thought it was because cigarettes won't light in the ocean (laughs) (laughs) but but that's yeah never mind i'm willing to accept that we should submit that to the smithsonian (laughs) or whoever i got this from (laughs) another research path you didn't consider here the uh yeah there's just low instances of chewing tobacco it's just birds can't chew so that's why um, I did want to. How do other out. mammals compare to humans in terms of? Uh, I think it's like it's pretty consistent, right? Like I don't, I don't know if anybody has. I've lost a cat to cancer. Like house, you cats hear about it. Yeah. Dogs get it. Yeah, like oh, yeah. other animals get it. I think humans get it more than a lot of pets do. Again, because we live to be eighty to hundred years old, and we weigh well, not mo- all dogs. A lot of dogs we weigh a lot more than they do. And they said that kind of like fleshes out like if the idea is that cancer is caused by some cell that replicates wrong, 
then the longer you live and the more cells you have, the more probability yeah. there is that it could happen. Are these are these bowhead? Are these whales? Are they like? Uh, are they more predatory, or are they eat, eat like plankton? Are they vegetarians? I, I guess is my question. I do not know for sure, actually. But they did say that like oh, across whales. Yeah, <laughs> <God. laughs> ruined it. Um, they did say like across whales, it's pretty oh, low, true. and like whales and dolphins both, which means there's like pretty a wide range of diets. So it doesn't seem to be related to that. The yeah. The hypothesis is that the only reason whales have grown to be so big is that they like selected for these genes that repressed cancer because otherwise like every whale would die of cancer because they're so big. It would just be like inevitable that one of their cells would replicate incorrectly. Um, So there's saying like it might have just been like more valued as a selective trait um, in the development of whales. Um, but yeah, people are digging into it and trying to figure out like what the heck's going on here and how do we get super whale anti-cancer powers for us? Uh, it's really get brushy teeth. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a popular book called Born to Run. Uh, it came out in like 2010 or something like that about the Taramura Indians and mm-hmm. uh, Taramura think think that's the term that book used i don't know <laughs> uh Taramara tribe and uh apparently they have also extremely low cancer rates um, huh. not sure who's studying them because they're pretty remote so i'm not sure who would be able to measure that but the book was at least saying hey they're pretty special people and they don't have cancer and blah 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 it was really interesting i knew the running thing i never heard the cancer thing that's cool um there was a quote from one scientist that was like, I don't know. It was one of those things where it just makes you like kind of tilt your head and be like, huh, I guess that would happen. They're saying that, you know, we see low instance of cancer in birds, but they do get cancer, which pretty much means for sure that dinosaurs got cancer, which is a weird thing to think about. I don't usually think of like a T-Rex dying from lung cancer. But oh. I'm the, I'm going to continue not thinking about yeah. it. Well, actually, <laughs> I don't know if you've you've seen Sue at the Field Museum, right? Mm-hmm. Well, she was like just infested with all kinds of diseases and things, apparently. Yeah. So. Oh boy. Yeah. She, had she was always drag her name through the through the mud. Right. <laughs> she was no perfect specimen. It's related to the tar, maybe. Same thing in the cigarettes. Yeah. Right. You're just like dipping their snouts in tar right, all day right. long. I mean, do we have evidence that Sue wasn't smoking cigarettes? That's what I choose to imagine is a T-Rex smoking a cigarette because that's a funny image. (laughs) They're tiny arms. They can't reach it. That's right. (laughs) Or it's one, maybe they have to use those crazy like French cigarette holders. (laughs) (laughs) Dinosaurs are very refined. Um, (laughs) So this has been an excellent time with you guys, but as always, great things must come to an end. Um, and I couldn't let the whales podcast end without bringing up by far the best website I found during my whale research, a website called fuck. Yeah. com. <laughs> oh boy. And this is, do you guys know if I say space whales, do you guys know what I'm talking about? No idea. Have you ever seen like, if you go to any college town and you go into like one of those stores where they just sell like those hemp, like pull over sure. sweater things and like your incense burners, you will definitely see a poster that is of a whale swimming, but it's also space. Oh, I've seen those. Yeah. Swimming right. Through the cosmos. Yeah. So Sometimes I'm black velvet. These the site is all about all these things. It's just an homage to space whales. So I couldn't not dig into whether or not space whales is a thing, and it is. I was able to find an article where somebody was breaking down the history and like background of why space whales are a thing, and they were basically talking about it's just this weird confluence in the 60s and 70s where 
people were obsessed with space because of the space race and people were just starting to get really interested in conservation and whales are part of the group of charismatic megafauna which is a real fun term to throw around i got that charismatic megafauna yeah right (laughs) (laughs) um whales were just starting to establish themselves as this like emblem of conservation and so people just kind of like mushed the two together and it became a thing and they were basically saying like yeah on the one side it's like not weird that you just have some weird people who just like put these things on posters they're like but if you look in the 60s and 70s there's like lots of books that deal with space whaling or somebody like in that like kind of pulpy 60s science fiction they're like a lot of times there are space whales as like characters or fauna in the context of the book including star trek 4 which is all right about space whales (laughs) um and they still show up today i remember i'm a huge futurama fan and there's like a whole i think there's a whole futurama movie that's all about space whales at least an episode uh and like it's, too much acid at the aquarium to me. <laughs> <laughs> There's six, certainly an element of that. That happened in the 60s too, you know. That whole expanded consciousness and like, yeah. whoa. What if whales were in space, man? Yeah. I feel like that's one of those things where people would be like, yeah, you know, space, it's the final frontier. And whales were in the last final frontier, which... I always feel like the ocean gets a bad rub because we still don't know most of what's in it. But people are already like, yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. That's covered. Space, that's the one to worry about now. I'm like, oh, yeah. Go find me some more weird fish, man. What's James Cameron doing these days? That's all my whale stuff. I don't know. I, any, any fun learnings? Any fun whale facts that I missed that you guys want to throw out there? Uh, there is, there's a certain whale that has two blowholes. What? You know that? I did not. I don't, I don't remember which one it was, but that's, I think, I think that's a whale fact. Yeah. Huh. Do you know how many hours a whale sleeps a day? Ooh. As many as it wants. <laughs> Who's going to stop it? It's a whale. <laughs> I'm going to say it's like weirdly low, like one and a half. I think more human-like. Like humans are supposed to, or like humans actually <laughs> like eight hours, like eight, like eight hours of sleep. Whales work. Well, the whale has a job, so it's like five and a half. I I remember reading that they get about the same amount of sleep as us, but they have that kind of they can put half their brain to sleep. You know, like a. I mean, they have to pay pay attention somewhat. So they right. Cringe or not breathe, <laughs> drown. Are whales? Do they? Maybe I might be making this up, but I feel like there's an animal who literally sleeps with one eye open to like guard from predators and like it doesn't shut off all of its brain. Yeah. I think a lot of fish are kind of that way. I think the fish in general, I've heard that are like that. They kind of are like half comatose. I've had sharks too. Yeah. I feel like I've had a lot of nights where I too, like my brain was mostly activated through the entire night and I woke up. My grandfather, the story is my grandfather would sleep with his eyes open. So, <laughs> so, I don't know what that's all about, but was he a veteran? Or... No, he was. I don't know. Was it after he became a vampire or before? <laughs> right. Was that when the casket was closed? That was what they told me. <laughs> no, that's uh, that's pretty creepy. Yeah. A whale fact that I did not throw in here, and it's technically a dolphin fact, but I'm going to be one of those people who just conflates the two. Um, I used to, we used to have a family friend who had a house off like a little bit south of Charleston, South Carolina. And dolphins there would do this thing where they would swim in a pattern that would corral fish and they would slowly close the corral in. And they would, so they'd work them into a beach on the island we would stay on, which was where like, a like the what's that called the confluence like brackish water where the river emptied out into the ocean and so they'd keep corralling these fish in and the fish wouldn't go upstream because they were saltwater fish so they'd be adverse to the fresh water that's coming out of the ocean so they'd essentially like trap them 
and then close it in until the fish couldn't go anywhere and they just get like eventually just end up on the beach and then you'd see these dolphins they'd like beach themselves just munch on this buffet of like beached fish until they were full and then they would just kind of like roll back into the water and swim away which is neat because we apparently like humans have been there long enough that we know they didn't do it before we got there and it's like a new thing and nobody had ever seen the behavior anywhere else in the world so it was like wow dolphins figured out a hunting strategy that's cool what's neater is that since they did that it started happening like all up and down the eastern seaboard because it's like basically evidence that dolphins are smart enough to teach each other how to do stuff and like spread hunting knowledge which is not something most animals can do that's great yeah wow super cool very cool there's a whole project where they tried you know the show drunk history Mm -hmm. there's an episode about how um as the space age was, you know, like you're saying, the confluence of the marine interest and the space age, there's some initial studies that were done to show that dolphins had some intelligence. Um, and then NASA was like, okay, because we want to get ready to talk to extraterrestrials, uh, we want you to learn how to teach dolphins English. Um, so they set up a whole lab to do that. Yep. Um, oh, no. They're not going to put a dolphin uh, in space, are they? that's horrible no the the idea is like how do we teach a completely different thing not a human how to speak english right there's a really good documentary about that in the first season of scooby-doo where are you (laughs) always love having you guys uh really appreciate it really appreciate the support of you know, reviewparty.com. I'll plug that again. Improv Playhouse, plug that again. You know, StarCraft Brood War. Get out there and play <laughs> some. <laughs> um, until next time, uh, have a great night, and we'll see you for the next episode. <laughs>